podcast friends. My name is David Lee and you are listening to the Inspire Design Create podcast, giving freelance filmmakers a voice, sharing their stories and connecting the world of cinematography, commercial filmmaking and starting your own business together. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. All right, we are late. Uh, very late on this podcast episode. Uh, I knew I know that last time I said uh, this episode would be out like the next week. Um, I believe that's what I said. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things where um, uh, it was it was so the virtual production shoot we shot uh, for NFL Prime, and um, you know, uh, timing wise, right? I, I couldn't release the episode um, since the the end product, the deliverable, uh, wasn't delivered, right? Uh, and so I had to wait. And so I, I apologize for that. Uh, but we are talking about virtual production 101, at least my experience uh, with it. And uh, probably be a little bit longer than usual uh, podcast episodes, right? Uh, as virtual production, there's a lot uh, to know. There's a, there There's more technical things to know uh, than there are um, like new cinematography things, right? Now, obviously, how you adapt your cinematography, how you adapt your lighting, uh, lens choices, sensor choices, things like that uh, will... Kind of change when it comes to virtual production and depends how big the wall is if you're using a small wall like a you know eight foot by ten foot wall or if you're using a you know 20 foot by 60 foot wall right um and so basically what i'm going to do today is talk about uh, a shoot that was that i was assisting on uh that was again virtual production for nfl prime and the uh, the gist of it was basically we have uh three actors uh, that are playing um uh real life uh non-fictional uh, characters or athletes, right? So there was a, um, what was it? There was a, uh, NFL athlete. Uh, I will say, I will, I will say unnamed. Um, and then, uh, they also wanted to spin it off, um, for, for, for Amazon prime to use it for, for different sports. So there was a figure skater and then also a soccer player. Right. Um, and basically we were doing like scene recreations where on the volume wall, we had, we were on a, a curved wall, um, that I believe was like, 20, um, I think it was like 20 feet high, uh, by about 40 feet long, right. Or, or wide, I would say. Uh, and so, and it's a curved wall. So there are implications when it comes to using curved walls, um, as a light, uh, again, so you, you kind of have to imagine it. Like if you were, um, in a room with a bunch of like TV screens, right. And if they're all curved, um, how light reflects and, and the angle that you're looking at it can can differ, right? Like LED versus an IPS panel, um, sort of sort of distinction, right? And so this curved wall, and the actors are, are coming in. They're they're walking on to to the stage, and they're looking at you know recreations of like old old um, old footage, highlight footage, uh, the highs and lows of their career, right? So there is like story behind it. Um, but uh, that being said, uh, let's just go ahead and get started. Um, with uh, some of the things to know about uh, virtual production. I have like a bullet, uh, bullet point list here for you guys and gals. Uh, and again, you know, if anything, this is like uh, not necessarily, you know, how, how can storytelling, storytelling change? Uh, it, it can change in, in, in some regard. Uh, but for the most part, this is more like, like the technical knowledge so that when you go on to your first virtual production, uh, even if you're just going through camera prep, camera test, right? And just seeing what works, what doesn't work, right? Uh, so first off, we were shooting this on the Sony Venice, uh, the Venice One with the Sigma full frame primes. Uh, we shot in Cine EI 2500, which is like the uh, the second base ISO uh, or EI 
uh, mode for the Venice. Uh, so you can think of like any other camera that has dual native ISO. It's basically the same thing. Um, for the Venice, it is 800 as the main one and the 2500 as the high one. Uh, and we shot at 144 degree shutter angle because that uh, reduces any kind of flicker um, for the specific LED panels that we were using. Uh, and, and that's another thing that I didn't know uh, is there's only a handful of LED panel manufacturers, right? So what I mean by panel, the panels are like, um, they're not that big. They're, they're, they're probably like, um, I don't know, maybe like six inches by six inches, something like that. You know, they're not big. So basically you have a bunch of these panels that are, that are like magnetized together, you know, to form a, you know, 20 foot by 40 foot wall essentially. Right. Uh, and the white balance we left at 5,600 Kelvin, I believe for the entire day. Um, as the, the one thing that I was, I was told was that these specific panels, uh, actually this is a note here. Uh, yeah, the, this, the panels, the LED panels have a very low CRI value, right? Like I think, I think they were saying they were around like 16, uh, less than 20, right? So color reproduction, color accuracy is, is not that great. And that's why sometimes when you listen to episodes or podcast episodes or interviews, people talking about virtual production, they say that, you know, you can't rely on the wall. And I think the reason why they can't, why they say that you can't rely on the wall is um, when it comes to color reproduction, right? So if you're getting the light that's bouncing back, uh, if like basically the easiest way to think about it is, is uh, you have like, say you have a scene a day interior in an apartment complex and you're lighting for the window, right? And the talent is next to the window. You have your lighting set up, right? Now, uh, if you're saying, okay, cool, we're, we're actually just showing the volume instead and we're gonna have a, a window on the wall, right? If you're thinking that the the window itself is enough light, um, it, you know, chances are it, it is not for a day interior because you, you need you need more light for a day interior. Otherwise it just looks weird, right? Unless it's like an over, overcast kind of setup, right? Uh, but uh, the most important thing to, to know is color accuracy, right? That CRI, that CRI value is pretty low, so you may not want to actually use that as your actual key light. You want to use that as your motivation, right? And then you have a window and you have the sun, right, on, on the volume itself, right? And then from that, you can motivate your fixtures overhead or, or on the ground, whatever it is, right? Um, so that being said, uh, what else I put here? Uh, yeah, so so note uh, notes on that is uh, use your vector scopes, use your RGB parade waveforms just to see where the colors are falling, right? Um, if the hue is falling you know, green or yellow or, or red or magenta, right? Uh, that's why vector scopes are useful um, and RGB parade waveform is useful when it comes to uh, virtual production and, and shooting on the volume wall. That way you can tell where things are are leaning towards, right? So that way you can say, okay, cool, like, you know, um, things are, are skewing a little bit uh, green uh, because of the wall that we're using. And so it's, it's, it's good to know that in, in during prep and that way you can say, okay, cool. I need to be able to use, um, uh, you know, very, very high CRI value, um, light match or something, right. Or a sky panel, right. Something with a high CRI value. So that way I know that I'm getting the best reproduction, uh, when it comes to skin tones. And if we're close, if we're close enough to the wall where we're getting a little bit bounced back, uh, from the led wall itself, right. Um, and I mean, I guess that, that kind of just depends on what level you're shooting at. Um, virtual production isn't cheap at all. Um, some companies are, are, are getting into the, the realm of possibilities where, you know, how, how can we make virtual production more affordable across the board, right? Right now, it still is not uh, cheap. Uh, uh, where we were filming at Orbital Virtual Studios uh, in downtown Los Angeles, 
um, I think it's like $10,000 a day just, just to be able to like rent the location, right? I'm not talking about like, you know, um, the, the day rates for the, for the Unreal Tech and all that other kind of stuff. I mean, just to rent out the space is like $10,000 a day, right? Uh, and for most of you, $10,000 is probably like your entire budget, you know? So uh, again, virtual production is not cheap, but uh, if you are um, fortunate to have the opportunity to shoot in virtual production, hopefully these these uh, items that I'm going through will help you out, all right? Uh, let's see, next thing. Um, yeah, lights can affect uh, the volume wall uh, by showing lines made by the individual panels, right? So um, I believe one thing that, uh, that we had was actually one of the one of the photos I have up on the actually uh, yeah before I even go any further uh, go to the website link will be in the description in the show notes and you'll see some of the uh, BTS photos I was able to take right and you can see that sometimes if you if you have too much light that's hitting the wall you'll see like the lines because again the 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 wall is made up of individual panels right these like six inch by six inch panels and so there are like you know they're not fully they're not fully uh, flush. There, there is a little bit of like um, indentation, I guess, in, be, in between um, the four lines that make up like each panel, right? So sometimes if you're shining a light at it, you can actually see the lines, right? So um, that is something to uh, take note of when when you're lighting um, is you really have to control the light. And uh, just like just like larger budget shoots, the better, the more you can light from overhead and the more you can light from upstage and have and use backlight, the better because you're not actually shining light back at the wall itself, right? Uh, so if that's already how you uh, light, right? Overhead, uh, backlight, uh, upstage, then uh, shooting, then lighting volume isn't necessarily uh, that hard. But again, you know, there are times when you need to light from the ground, right? If you don't have um Rigging overhead. Uh, the great thing about Orbital is they have like a full truss system um, overhead. So, I mean, you can light like the whole thing 360, which is which is awesome. All right. Uh, but again, if you're going into a studio and, and you don't have trusses overhead, uh, then, you know, you or even if you only have like one truss overhead, then that may affect your lighting choices uh, in some way, shape or form. Right. Uh, the other thing is we also had text that was showing on the wall. We had the text of the athlete's name. Uh, and the thing is, we had like white text, which worked fine up until we got to the figure skating portion. Because if you think about figure skating, uh, a lot of times when they're capturing footage of figure skating, you're capturing ice. Ice is white, right? And so if majority of your footage is white and you have white text overlaid, um, it can it can uh, it can it, it can affect the the what is it like the visual representation of the text, right? So you can imagine if you're in Resolve or in Premiere or in Final Cut, if you have like um, footage playing, like say it's snow, right? And then you have text on top of the snow that's white. Chances are the text is, you, you can't see the text. You need to do like a drop shadow or you need to change the text color to like uh, like an off-white or a gray or a black or something like that, right? Uh, and and so these are the same things that we had um, experienced shooting on virtual, on the volume wall, right? It's the same thing. If, if you know the ins and outs of post-production, the same thing applies when it comes to the volume because the volume is basically like a big, like the way I think of it is is when it comes to uh, on-screen uh, text or imagery, you can think of it as just one big ass monitor that you're that you're actively working in Resolve or in Fusion or in After Effects, and right uh, you can because you can see it all in real time happening. 
So you can treat the volume as if you were like already in the post-production suite in, in your NLE or After Effects or Fusion, whatever it is, right? So, so take that knowledge in, into pre-production into the day of, right? Uh, the next thing is audio reverb. Um, happens it happened on the curves on the curved screen uh, orbital also does have a larger screen that's like a 20 by uh, 20 foot by 60 foot one uh, but with the curve screen we notice is is the closer you get to the to the curve screen you'll have a lot of the like, audio reverb right so like audio coming back at you uh, it wasn't a huge deal for for us since we were mos the entire uh, the entire day well not we weren't mos the entire day uh, we had we had a we had a couple like maybe like three or four shots where uh, we were cap we were capturing uh, audio from talent. Uh, but again, thing to know uh, when talking to your audio mixer, your 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 sound engineer on the day is uh, you know if you're shooting on a curved wall, chances are there may be some reverb. So you know how do you um, how do you address that on the day to not to get the cleanest audio, right? Um, I don't know uh, what that answer is. Uh, that's just something to to take note of of. What we experienced and how that may affect capturing audio if you were doing like dialogue or uh, talking head and you're and you're close to a curved wall, right? Flat wall, um, I don't believe that's the case, but curved wall, at least for our, in our situation, uh, that was that was a uh, like a mental note to to take note of. Um, and then yeah, I talked about the light the light coming from the wall itself. Um, there isn't a lot of light, so again, if you have a camera like the Venice that has dual native ISO. Um, you you're capturing or you're switching the camera to that higher the higher ISO. You can basically um, use the ambient source from the wall itself to motivate the light, right? But it's more like it's just more like ambient room tone, right? It's it's not enough to to light. I, well, I would say it depends, right? If you're doing like night interior or like a soft day interior, it is it is enough like you know quote unquote ambient light. But again, you you would still need something to wrap the light around. So that's where you bring in like, you know, four by four poly or uh, an eight by ultra bounce or eight by muslin. Um, or if you need to um, bring in a lamp from the ground, you know, so you have like like a light mat plus four or uh, an aperture 600D or whatever it is. Right. And you're shooting it through like an eight by of of uh, a magic cloth and you have it, you know, you have it uh, gridded in front, all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, those are things that you still need to do on the day. Um uh, but again, like the, the light itself from, from the wall, like, like, again, it depends on what you're shooting, but it, if you're shooting something high key, if you're shooting like a day exterior, uh, a day interior, that's meant to be very, um, like, you know, 9am, 10am, the sun's up and you have a lot of light coming through windows and doorways and things like that. Um, then, then that won't be enough light to just say, okay, cool. We're good. We don't have to bring in lights. Like, no, you, you still need to bring in lights. Um, and I would say even if you're doing like, like a night interior, night exterior, um, uh, daytime, day interior, that's overcast, I would still bring lights in. I would still make that part of your pre-production process is you need to bring lights in, right? Um, moving on, let me see, what else do I have anything on there? Uh, yeah, actually, and this is also where, um, a sensor with solid dynamic range helps. So like Venice has amazing dynamic range, um, and because it's it's allowing you to play into like the toe of the image, right? Like that, you know, minus 25 IRE values, right? Where where there's a lot of information in, in the blacks, right? Um, and, and it helps when you have the volume there because the volume can help you, uh, one, um, bring like, you know, uh, physical light volume that the sensor can capture, 
but also in Unreal Engine, you have the opportunity to like adjust the levels of black, right? You can you can make them more crushed, you can make them less crushed. Um, you can change out um, some of like the texture values depending on what version of Unreal Engine that you're using. I believe on the one that we were using, it was version five, um, but 5.1 is like the latest uh, version where you can do more stuff in. Um, but again, some things that like, like some, I believe what they were telling me was that some textures, shadow textures and lighting effects that were built for five, um, version five, uh, don't necessarily work on 5.1. They have to like recreate the, the, the textures and things like that. Uh, again, there's a lot of technical stuff, right? But it's very cool stuff. So again, having a sensor with solid dynamic range, um, or a camera with, um, like dual native ISO, uh, would be, would be very preferable, in, um, shooting on the volume, at least in my experience. Right. Uh, the next thing is live tracking, right? So, uh, the volume technology isn't just like green screen, right? Because a lot of times with like green screen and blue screen, you you get whatever background you're gonna put in post pretty much like stays uh, static, quote unquote. It stays static unless you're doing like post effects tracking, right? The beautiful thing about volume is that you don't have to do that in post, right? It just, it, you're doing it all in camera, right? When it comes to tracking. Uh, and so there's a little box that's like, uh, it looks like like a home router, uh, but, but like super flat. It's probably like you know um, half an inch or maybe less than half an inch tall. So it's it's not very very tall at all. Um, but it's it's like a square box, right? That sits on top um, of the camera. Uh, but the thing to know about that is the closer you have it to the center, the more accurate the tracking is, right? So the higher you have it, um, where we had the tracking box was on the. I think the top plate of the Venice or maybe was on the top handle that again is on top, on, on top of the top, top plate. Right. And then the tracking box is on top of the top panel. If that makes any sense. Right. Uh, we were using a handheld, um, as well as the dolly. And, um, for us, it worked out pretty well. Um, but again, but the texture telling us was that the closer you have the tracking box to the sensor, the, the more accurate the tracking is, um, again, in our experience, we we had the tracking box not as close to the sensor, and it still worked fine for us. Um, so that's something something to note. Uh, and then yeah, so like the tracking uh, the tracking system how it works is like there's this box right with like a bunch of different sensors on it, and then in the room itself right uh, all all above the room, above the truss systems, and even like right right around the the, the truss railings, the speed rails. Um, the, we have like multiple tracking units, right? I don't know how many they had, but it was, it was a lot. It was like 30 or 40 uh, tracking like sensors, right? And so this thing is basically like IRS sensor or, or going back and forth between the tracking box to the sensors. And then all that stuff hooks back into the computer system that they can see the tracking on their monitors, right? Um, so that's like a visual representation of how the tracking works. Uh, let's see. And I think the, one of the last things that I want to mention is, um, is depth of field, right? So not just like the out of focus elements, but also like the plane of focus. Um, a good example of that is like certain lenses can be flat when it comes to the background, certain and other lenses can be very three dimensional when it comes to the background. So a great example of that is if you're using lenses like the cook S fours, um, against they're meant for a super 35, but the S fours, if you ever, if you find a film, uh, you can go on like shot deck or IMDB and, and look at, um, you know, what, uh, or this is in the website, um, where you can look up like, Hey, what, what movies were shot on cook S fours and, you know, take like image, uh, like a ticket screen grab 
of some of those images that speak to you. And then, you know, look up like, you know, films or whatever that were that were shot on. Um, what's another one? Maybe like um, like Cook Speed Paint Gross or something like that. Right. Or no, no, no. Actually, you know, you look up ones that were shot on like like um, uh, uh, like zines, zine lenses or even like Sigma lenses. Right. And you can see that the the zine lenses and Sigma lenses are, are a lot like flatter, being the background is closer to the talent compared to the S4s where the background gets really pushed back, right? Even if you're on, on like a wider lens, it, it's, it's, it's just the way the lenses optically are designed, right? And so say if you're using, uh, you're going through a pre-production process and you're shooting, you know, a sports commercial, whatever, and you really want uh, the background to be like, you know, push as far back as possible, right? So like, oh, okay, cool. Let's use like, you know, cook S4s or let's use like, uh, maybe even like signature primes or something like that, right? And if you if your background on the volume isn't matching the plane of the plane of focus, meaning like if your background isn't necessarily pushing things back, because with the with the camera and the lens combination, right? It's gonna it's gonna push you back like the volume, it's, or it's gonna push back like the volume in relation to where the the camera is, right? And where the and where your talent is in front of you. But if your background is super flat, then it then it takes away the effect of the lens, right? So you have to um, you have to plan that into your pre-production process. Is like, okay, if I have lenses that are that are that normally push your background way out, I also have to make sure that whatever image that we're gonna put on, or uh, or video that we're gonna put on in the background is also gonna push the background back, right? So that way you get like that that natural effect, not necessarily like, like a double effect, but a natural effect to it, right? Uh, let's see what else, what else, what else, what else? Um, yeah, I feel like other than that, the biggest takeaway that I, um, walked away with doing this virtual production shoot, um, was in regards to, to lighting, right? And you have to treat the wall like you would if you were working on a green screen or blue screen, right? The only difference or the main difference is instead of having to actually light the screen, right? With green screen, blue screen, you need a certain exposure index, right? Like with um, green screen, usually it's like 40, 50 IRE. Uh, blue screen, usually it's a little bit less than that. It's like, you know, 35 IRE or 25, 35 IRE just, just depends, right? What sensor you're using these days. Um, you don't have to, with the volume, you don't have to light the screen. So that's one less thing you have to necessarily, you don't like have to worry about, which is great. Right, one last thing to light, and usually with the green screen, blue screen, you have to light the whole. You have to light. You have to light the whole fucking thing, right? And especially if you're working on like a big screen, like a twenty foot by twenty foot screen, um, that's more lighting that you have to have overhead, right? Uh, more grip equipment or just more rigging time, right? Uh, with the volume, it's pretty much like, hey man, whatever, whatever we're to put on the volume, then we have to match lighting to it. And that's basically it, right? Um, and uh, what else? What I was gonna say, um. Yeah, other than that, I think like a really cool thing is that with Unreal Engine, you can literally put whatever you want on the screen, right? So say if you're shooting a day exterior and you want the sun to be um, to be tracking along like the horizon of like these hills or this valley that you're in, you can literally do that, right? You can literally do that in real time. And so that way, if you're shooting this scene that, hey, normally you're supposed to be outside, uh, maybe you're shooting like 10 pages, right? Uh, and it's a film or whatever it is, right? Let's just say, let's just say on a more simple scale, you're shooting a commercial, right? And it's a two day commercial and you're like, okay, shit, we can only shoot outside from like 7am to about like 9am. Um, 
and that's it. And or I mean for that morning time. And then we can only shoot from like 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Right. It's essentially like six hours that you can shoot these specific scenes. Right. With the virtual production, you can literally shoot that, you know, for as long as you wanted to. You know, again, commercial two day commercial, you probably, you probably don't want to eat into the entire day. Um, but you can keep the light consistent enough where you don't have to constantly like adjust the bounce, adjust the wrap, adjust the neg. Right. Um, because you're not at the mercy of the sun. And then, you know, what if it's one of those days where it's like, oh, shoot, all of a sudden the clouds are coming in. And like, okay, well, now we have to wait for the clouds to to move. Might take 10 minutes, might take 30 minutes, right? With virtual production, you don't have to worry about the clouds because you can just, you know, 86 the clouds or just put them in a space where, where they're not going to uh, be in front or covering the sun, right? So, a virtual production, I, I I feel like we are already here when it comes to virtual production. A lot of um, larger budget commercials and films are utilizing the volume wall, uh, music videos as well too. And and I think when it gets to the point where uh, the price point for virtual production gets down to say like where where it is right now to shoot green screen or blue screen, e- even on the largest setups, um, I feel like that will be more advantageous to all of us as filmmakers. Um, across the board, right? Low budget, medium budget, high budget. Uh, there are, again, caveats because it is technology, right? And technology can work or it doesn't work. And for us, yeah, we were we were, we were waiting. Um, we had some issues with the tracking um, box itself in Unreal, not necessarily the hardware, more the software side. And that took like, I don't know, maybe like half an hour for us to figure out something like that. And then um, like the text thing, you know, that took us another like 15, 20 minutes to try to figure out. So it's not just like, you know, set it up and you're good to go to shoot. Um, there are caveats with it, just like anything, right? Um, but the I think there are way more pros than there are cons, right? And, and especially when it comes to, to the fact where you can control the entire environment and you don't need to be, you don't need to spend the extra um, budget on on locations anymore, Right. Well, I mean, obviously, like, like you still do for, for, for certain things. Right. But, but if there, but if you have like certain scenes where you're like, Jesus Christ, dude, it's probably going to take us like six days to shoot this because, um, based upon where we are in the world, um, it's just overcast for six days. And the scene requires us to be, uh, in, in, for the most part, like daylight. Right. And it's like, okay, well, you know, do we have to find another location that's in, that's in a different part of the country? with the flight crew there, or, you know, do we hire a local crew there? How are we going to get like the, the lighting package there all that like logistical stuff that we're used to. Now you can just say, you don't have to worry about that. We're just shooting the volume. Right. And we have, instead of six days, we can shoot this all in like two days. Right. It's not, it's not necessarily like the amount of pages we're shooting. It's just, it's just the available light that we're, that we're shooting. Right. Uh, Cause the other way to do it, it's like, okay, well, if you want to shoot a day interior and, and you know, for this, these next six days, it's going to be overcast Then we need, you know, condors. We need uh, 18Ks or 20Ks outside and blasting through. It's like, hey, who has the money for that, right? Um, I certainly, I, I'm certainly on, aren't on those productions and you may not be as well. But on the volume, probably costs less to shoot on the volume actually than to rent all those big ass fucking lights plus a generator and then the, uh, the G&E crew to handle all of it, right? Um, and so volume has a lot of wonderful things, uh, coming up the pipeline and, um, hopefully I'll have at least another one or two shoots this year on, uh, on the volume that I can share with you guys. Uh, okay, cool. Again, uh, just a reminder, if you haven't checked out the, the show notes, um, for the, for the BTS photos, 
please do that so that way all this stuff kind of makes sense, right? If you have any questions um, on the volume that I didn't answer, and hopefully I can have have an answer for you. Again, just shoot me a DM on, on, on Instagram and and I can uh, start the conversation with you. If you haven't shared this podcast with your friends, your homies, your homies, please do so. And uh, hopefully I will have a next a, a podcast episode for you guys out very, very soon. Alrighty, friends, that does it for me. And uh, again, please rate it on iTunes podcast, or Apple podcast. I keep fucking forgetting this fucking thing. Spotify and all that good stuff. And I will catch you guys in the next podcast episode. Bye bye.